Welcome back, Bible readers. This is the Rooted Podcast, and we are in the middle of the month of June. And uh, so working our, we're working our way through June. Uh, we have finished that first session, that first week, about a Jesus' conversation with women. Now we're going to finish out the rest of the month with um, some of Paul's epistles. And we did that last week as we talked through Philippians. Um, this week we're going to talk through the book of Colossians. Uh, next week we'll do 1 Timothy, and the following week we'll do 2 Timothy and Titus. So we're going to focus on some of Paul's epistles. Um, I've got Bill with me today, and we're going to talk about uh, the book of Colossians. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Colossians is a favorite uh, book, at least it's one of my favorites. Um, there's a lot of uh, just really good verses and really um, just powerful thoughts, you might say, uh, looking at the book of Colossians. Of course, Colossians is all about uh, the supremacy of Christ. Christ is supreme over all things. He's sufficient over all things. All we need in life is Him. And it's set to the backdrop of the false teachers that were saying and pushing the agenda uh, that Christ was not enough. And so that's kind of what Colossians is is about, more or less. Another one of Paul's epistles written while he was in prison. Um, again, like we talked last week with Philippians, you know, Paul's using the best of his circumstances in prison, uh, whether it's in Philippians or Colossians, to make sure the gospel uh, extends. But one of the unique things about Colossians is that Paul never had any contact uh, yeah. with this church, never yeah. a visit, yeah. never a... Uh, initial setup of the church or help yeah. establish their leaders. So he's speaking uh, to a church that he's never actually um, set foot in. I think that's kind of interesting as we uh, as we start out here in the book of Colossians. Well, I mean, he had a had a good man down there. True. Uh, matter of fact, Epaphras yeah. was the one who I believe established the church because yeah. uh, Paul had sent him there, and he was getting word back from Epaphras on how things were going, what was happening. Uh, the heresy that was mm. being told and things. Yeah. And so uh, he did have some, he had a good man there to be able to tell him everything that's going on. Yeah. It's kind of like pastor here, and <laughs> hopefully he's got some good men here that will tell him <laughs> tell him what, what he needs to know. That, you know, that is the truth. And, and it also reminds us that, you know, Paul didn't, wasn't a one-man show. Yeah. You know, he didn't do everything by himself. He had a great team, great team. of people uh, that could do things for him. Um, so Colossians, so we've got four uh, chapters, four powerful chapters, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I tend to get stuck in chapter one because chapter one's a really good chapter, yeah, especially it as it relates to the deity of Christ and some of the things that are happening here. Um, in my notes, I always go straight to that hymn. We call it a, a hymn. Um, you see, in the early church, you had several different passages of Scripture that were called hymns because they were heavy doctrinal hymns, and they were often memorized. Mm-hmm. Last week, we talked about Philippians, and the Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, the kenosis passage, was a well-memorized portion, just like Colossians 1, 15 to 20, is a well-memorized portion. I think mm-hmm. some scholars say there were at least four, maybe five different ones, like John 1 and mm-hmm. Hebrews 1. Yeah. They were passages that you would memorize um, so that you understood doctrine about who Jesus was. Again, you know, all of the New Testament hadn't been written yet. Of course, they did have Old Testament and access to that, but um, very, very important sections of Scripture were memorized. So you knew and could fight against false teachers so that when uh, somebody came in 
pushing a different doctrine. You say, no, wait a minute, that's not what my scripture says about Jesus, because Jesus is, and they could quote, you know, he is the invisible image of the invisible God, you know, the firstborn of all creation. They could go down through the list. Um, so in, in your Bible, you have about four or five of those, and, and uh, I love the one here. It's in Colossians um, chapter 1, and uh, there's some great things about this. But what, what about chapter 1? And I guess we'll get into this now with this early Christian hymn. I mean, it is about the deity of Christ, right. and that's what it is. If there's ever a good New Testament passage this is a good one. that talks about who Jesus is, there are some great ones in John. Yeah. This one's a great one from the lips of Paul. Um, and you can read it in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. Um, and I like reading it in different translations as well, because sometimes you get a little yeah. different flair right. here or there in these things. But I usually get stuck on this um, first verse, verse 15, where it says Christ is the visible oh. image. It's what my translation says, of the invisible God. Mm-hmm. And he existed before anything was created, and he is supreme over all creation. I mean, that's it. I mean, what else do you need to know about Jesus? I mean, that verse 15 says it all. Yeah, you know, and you take, you take a look at those scriptures and you find it's basically uh, uh, John chapter 1. Yeah. Uh, just kind of, you know, re, reverbed, me might say, <laughs> re, put it in. Uh, and it's, a lot of it is very similar words, you know. You know it, everything was created, you know, by him. Uh, and everything in heaven, everything in earth, and... We find those things in John. Yeah. yeah. Um, when we get to that word, um, I looked up, I was curious, and I have notes about this before, but chapter 1, verse 15, where it says Christ is the visible yeah. image. That word image is important because it, yeah. and in my Bible, I have three little notes here where it talks about image. It means the likeness, which mm-hmm. means a mirror image of God. So Jesus is a mirror image of God. So you saw Jesus, like John says, yeah. you see the Father. Father. Um, mm-hmm. Second, it was representation, where Christ represents us to God. And then third part of image or, or understanding is the manifestation, where Christ makes God known to us. And so we wouldn't really know the Father fully if it were not for the Son. That's right. And so you think about that and you put that back into the context of Jesus coming to earth, we would never really fully know the Father if the Son didn't Maybe visit can. us and um, be take on flesh and and his ministry and his all of his teachings. Yeah, uh, there wouldn't be anything. Well, you know, we we always say that uh, Jesus's purpose for coming was to go to Calvary's cross to die on the cross for our sins. Right. But actually, we find too that his purpose for coming was to reveal the Father, and that's what he did through his ministry. He revealed the Father, and that's the reason he said uh, to the disciples, time again, you know, said, "If you've seen me, you've seen the Father." Yeah. And uh, but then ultimately to go to Calvary's cross and to die for our sins is uh, you know that's the ultimate sacrifice and that's that's the purpose for His coming. But He did reveal to us who God is, yeah, the Father. Um, such a such a powerful passage. I mean, we could spend you know weeks and weeks and weeks through this section of scriptures. Um, there's a there's also a verse before it, and it, I think it sets the stage for this. Uh, him in chapter 1, verse 15 to 20, but verse 14, or verse 13, mm-hmm. it says, For he has, and my translation says, he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness mm-hmm. and has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Yeah. I love how it says it, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And what son are we talking about? And in, Paul explains it in verse 15. This is the son we're talking about, mm-hmm. Christ, who is the image. And it goes down through everything. 
Um, he existed before anything else, verse 17. He is the head of the church, a big deal, verse 18. Mm-hmm. You know, he is the beginning. You know, and then he goes into verse 19, for, for God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said earlier, I mean, sometimes we think that Jesus just came for um, this one salvation event, not that that's not important. It I mean, is. Obviously, that's crucial it to is. our Christian faith. But part of that is that the salvation was technically not Jesus' plan. It was God the Father's plan yeah. to send the Son. And so um, there, there's a lot that's here, um, a lot that we might not have time to talk through everything else that's there. Anything else in chapter 1 that kind of... Um, no, if I would go yeah, back I mean, even before even verse 15, you'll find that whenever Paul taught, started out with his greeting and everything, and yeah. then into his, he went into a thanksgiving, thank, giving thanksgiving for these people yeah. that he hadn't even been to see. True, yeah. And, and yeah. Uh, yet he was encouraging them, you know, the fact that, you know, I've been praying for you, you yeah. know, and I pray for you when, uh, of every remembrance of you. I, you know, I lift you up in prayer, you know, so... Uh, talked to them about their hope and the word of truth that uh, they had received you know, through uh, Epaphras. And, you know, it's it's a great introduction. Of course, we find that in all those introductions of his letters to Philippians, as we read last right. week, and, right. and even Galatians and others, that he, he always shared that. Yeah. He shared his love for people. And uh, I think it's very important, you know, uh, they weren't all perfect, but, but he loved them. <laughs> and, and, he, and, and you have a church here, again, like you said, that he's never visited he personally there. himself, but right. he's thankful for them, again, because um, he's heard about them. He wants to help them grow. I mean, he's a true uh, brother in Christ who just wants to see uh, other brothers and sisters grow. He wants to see them yeah. do well. And, and let that be said of us as well. You know, we want to see other Absolutely. brothers and sisters grow in the faith and continue to grow, even ones that we may never get a chance to know personally. personally. Maybe we've heard of them, um, but maybe in the same way that we need to um, uh, see that more manifested uh, in our life. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things, of course, that Paul's trying to set down here in, in Colossians is this Colossian, as you mentioned, the heresy that's here, this. Colossian heresy, um, and it's a heresy that was circulating around the area. Scholars have put different names to it at different times, but in essence, it's trying to say that Jesus was not enough. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to boil it down to, uh, and Paul gets into some of those tenets in chapter 2 um, <laughs> as well, um, but one of the things I think that's important before he even gets into chapter 2 is verse 23, because he's talking about the importance of, of doctrine, and he's just given mm-hmm. us doctrine, who Jesus is, and it yeah. says in verse 23, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift sure. away from it. Right. And there, right. there, there's a point here because the, it's easy to get involved in false doctrine if you're not in the Word each and every day, continue to strengthen your foundation. It's easy to fall away and drift away from the important things of God's Word if you're not reading it, if you're not building on that foundation each and every day. And I think the way that Paul's telling us to combat false doctrine is to be more into the true doctrine every single day. That's right. Um, That's the way you fight against it. is what he seems to be saying. And of course, he talks about it here in, in chapter 2 as well. 
Um, but I think there's a, there's a, and that's why at the very beginning of the book, he sets down, this is the true doctrine. This is who Jesus, Jesus is. is. Right. Um, and once we know who Jesus is and we have that firm foundation, then it's easy for us to spot mm-hmm. false doctrine when it comes around. Absolutely. You know, uh, we read these scriptures and, you know, we think, oh, that was back then. But actually, when we look in our, our world today and in our churches today, we see a lot yeah. of these same things. Uh, people think there's more to it than just accepting Christ. You know, mm-hmm. you got to have this and you got to do that and you got to, and that's what Paul was uh, was fighting against. You know, says no, you don't need that. You need to get anchored in that word and and know that this is the truth and and stay firmly standing on that so that uh, you don't get uh, drawn away. And that's what he does. I think in chapter two he starts. I mean, yeah. of course, he starts talking about that and telling us how to beware, you know, and how to watch out for these things. Um, I think it's interesting how uh, even today the world is consumed with doing something yeah. or doing things uh, as a means of their salvation. When Paul has said and Jesus himself has said, it's not about things, it's about me. Mm-hmm. And when you tell the world, you know, there's only one way to go to heaven is through Jesus you know, they get upset and they get mad uh, for a lot of reasons because the gospel is always going to be divisive. But a lot of them are, are, what do you mean one man or or how simple that is? Surely you've got to have this complex system. But he says, he says in verse uh, three or verse two and three of chapter two, he says, I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ Christ. himself. Mm -hmm. And in him, in Christ, and I love that phrase, in him, lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And he says, I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you with, my translation says, well-crafted arguments. For though I'm far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice as you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. Strong. Mm-hmm. And to me, and like we said earlier, that's the mystery because if Christ didn't come, that mystery wouldn't have been revealed. It's right. all part of the Father's plan to make his son be the one who was the mystery almost. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. we knew that God was going to redeem mankind. He said it in the garden, and then he set it out at the very next verse. It sends a descendant or a person from, you know, the, the line, right. that, that, that line of Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, to me, it's just a powerful verse, just which is Christ himself. And that's what he said in chapter 1. This is who Christ is. And, and if you're going to understand, Paul says... Um, who Christ is, you have to under, you have to come to grips with with Him, with who He is. I mean, yeah. you can't really appreciate Christ's sacrifice until you appreciate who He is. Who He is, right? Yeah, because yeah. His sacrifice wouldn't do anything because it's dependent upon who He is. If Christ was not who He says He was, then the sacrifice would have been null and void, wouldn't yeah. it? Absolutely, it would have been pointless, you might say. Mm-hmm. Um, what else about here, about chapter 2? You know, like you said earlier, oh, yeah. legalisms and rituals here. He, he mentions some of those things, people trying to add things well, you know, and he, and he warns them, you know, he said, be careful. Be careful. Mm-hmm. Don't let anyone take you captive through these philosophies, mm-hmm. uh, through the, uh, the empty deceit based on human traditions. And, uh, boy, we have a lot of human traditions today, don't we? I mean, you've got churches that have, just traditions that they follow rather than scripture they yeah. follow traditions yeah 
And, uh, and he tells us to beware of that and to be careful and, and not to allow these people to entice you away from the truth. Yeah. Uh, from from Christ, even you know, Christ is the truth. Yeah, and, be, and because of the fact that He says Christ has set you free, why do you want to go back and put yourself back under the bondage that you were in before Christ yeah. came? Right. Um, and that's and that's what He's saying with these rules and regulations and rituals and legalism. Why do you want to add these things to? It? He says they weren't part of it. Christ came to set you free. Now you want to go back and put yourself back under those things. Just want to live back under the law yeah. all those many oh, laws. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine? Oh, it's something, yeah. I mean, I guess they just weren't thinking clearly. I mean, they were enamored with the newest philosophy and the newest teaching and, you know, oh, yeah. the newest deeper life. Well, know, we teaching. see that today. It yeah, seems yeah. like people... Uh, they think if they can get something that sounds deep and powerful, you know, that people will listen to them and follow what they're saying. And and I think it's what Paul's saying here. He says, you know, don't let these people, uh, you know, lead you astray because of the uh, of, of their education or of uh, their experiences. Or you know, they say, well. Well, brother Jeremy, you know, I've had this kind of experience. You need to listen to what I'm saying, you know, because I yeah. know better. Than, yeah. But no, you know, we just need to follow Christ and follow the yeah. Word. And, and, and he, he notes those, like you said, in verse 22, these are merely human rules, rules. human yeah. teaching. Yeah. And I like what he says, he says, but they provide no help. <laughs> in conquering a person's evil desires, he says at the end of the chapter. He says these rules may seem wise, but they require all these different things, and they provide no help, it says. Yeah. They're, they're not really to provide help. I mean, spiritual disciplines help get us uh, to a place where we can start focusing our energy more on God, more on Christ, um, but they are not an end of themselves, and, and they can become traditions, traditions to take away from. Yeah. Um, and so, again, traditions can be good things, but they can also be turned into bad things, just like anything, any kind of habit, any kind of thing really today can you know, be turned into something bad. I mean, the Internet's great for lots of stuff, but right. it can be you know, also bad. When I, when I pastored, we had a lady in the church says, well, I, I think we ought to repeat the Lord's Prayer every day, every morning, every Sunday morning. And, and she came to me and asked me if we could do that. And I told her no. And she's, why not? And I said, because it just becomes repetitious. I said, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And I said, because people will just start repeating it, you know, just to, just to say the Lord's Prayer. And it doesn't, doesn't have any substance to it, to our lives. And, and uh, we can do that. We can yeah. get wrapped up into traditions and just repeating things. And it doesn't provide for us any depth. Yeah, and, and and especially when you have all of you know the Word of God in front of you. I, I mean, I think the context might be different if it were some native tribe in another country that didn't know anything else, and that's what they knew to repeat. And mm -hmm. and you'd say, well, that would make sense. But when there's so much more of God's Word yeah. that needs to be looked at, again, not saying that the Lord's Prayer is not important. It is important. It is important. It's yeah. a big deal. But anything can become. Um, and that's why, you know, variety, and that's why some people can kind of get stuck in ruts because they're doing mm -hmm. the same thing over and over again. We talk about going through the motions as well, coming to church and just just doing it because it's a habit. Mm -hmm. I mean, that can even become a tradition yeah. where Christianity becomes a cultural thing uh, and not something that is, is part of a relationship as well. So um, 
Paul kind of transitions here into verse, or excuse me, into chapter three, and I like what he says. It says, since you've been raised to new, new life, life with Christ, Christ, set yourselves on things that are in heaven or above. Focus on these things. And so this is where he talks about the put off and the put on. Put off in verse 5, the sinful earthly things, and then put on in verse 10, your new nature, and be renewed. And so there's a taking off and there's a putting, putting on, on because, right. you know, if you don't take it off first and you put it on top of it, it's not going to right. be that good. I mean, I can think of uh, so many different things that, uh, I mean, you can paint a wall so many times, you can keep putting on, putting on, putting on, and then it keeps looking the same, same, same. But if you want to make it look really nice, you sand it down and scrape all the old paint off before you put on the new stuff. Um, And it makes it so much better. And so that's what he's saying. He's saying take it off and uh, put it back on. I mean, Mm -hmm. those are keys, and you hear hear that message a lot. I think that shows up in it. Uh, in Ephesians too, uh, take off. Oh, we find a lot of yeah. We find a lot of similarities in yeah. his letters between uh, Colossians and Ephesians, uh, especially. Uh, yeah. Um, some people think that. Uh, uh, well, anyway, we won't we won't get into some of those other <laughs> things, but <laughs> those are other things. I like uh, uh, verse sixteen here. It says in chapter three, it says, "Let the message about Christ, in all its richness, fill your lives." Yeah. And that that's that's. That just speaks to me, and teach and counsel each other with wisdom that he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and and spiritual songs. Or, uh, you know, thankful hearts, and of course the famous whatever you do or say, do it as you do unto God. Um, more or less, my translation saying some different things here. I'm just kind of paraphrasing, um, but that verse um, is is what should be characteristic of every believer. The message mm-hmm. of Christ should dwell in you, should live in you richly. Yeah. And I think that looks different with each believer, too. Oh, it does. You know, it's because we have that personal relationship. And, and so it does, you know, we do, we do address things differently because mm-hmm. of who we are and our relationship with Christ. I, I kind of I like that verse, but I, I had a fellow that I worked with one time, and he was from a church that didn't use musical instruments and everything. And I says, well, well, where do you get that, you know, that you don't do that? And <laughs> yeah. he says, well, it tells us there in Colossians, you know, that we do that through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude or making melody in your hearts. And I said, well, why do you sing? <laughs> I right. said, if you're doing it in your heart, I right. said, what are you singing for? I mean, you, you, yeah. don't, you don't use any musical instruments, you know, to, uh, to praise the Lord with. But, right. You know, and the Scripture teaches us, you know, we should use everything yeah. to praise the Lord. I mean, you look in the Psalms, look what David did. Oh, his, yeah. His heart musical the instruments life, yeah. talked about in the Psalms as well. Yeah. Um, huh. It's interesting, I guess, to use that as a proof text. Mm-hmm. Um, for that, I wouldn't think of using that as a proof text. I wouldn't either. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Sometimes it's sometimes it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, verse eighteen of chapter three down through chapter four, verse one, it, it kind of looks like oh, Paul just kind of mm-hmm. put in a couple commands here. Yeah. Um, and how is this you know connected you know to the other things? Well, one of the things that's important um, is is in our relationship with Christ is our other relationships too. Um, mm-hmm. So our relationships in the home are to reflect what we believe about Christ. If we are submitting ourselves to Christ and, and yeah. following Him, then it should also be something that we, is seen in our relationships and the proper respect and order in those relationships. 
Um, and so it's kind of like um, if you want to follow Christ, then it's not just you personally, mm-hmm. it's all of your relationships. You can't just compartmentalize yeah. you know, my church life and my you know, quiet time with Jesus, but then the rest of my life, my work time family is, is just what the world would look like. Yeah. Now he's saying it's got to be the same. Yeah, all, all the time. All those all relationships. Um, that are there, and of course, it talks about husbands, love your wives. Um, I was, I was think that's interesting. How you know, husbands are told love your wives. I guess maybe because that's a struggle sometimes. Well, <laughs> Never you know, treat them harshly. Obviously, I mean, there was probably something going yeah. on here at this in this church or mm-hmm. in, in Colossae that caused him to even bring that up. There was probably something... You know, I wonder, like you say, I wonder if there was some kind of tenet of that false teaching that was maybe trying to drive a wedge in between a husband and wife relationship or saying, well, you don't really have to submit to your husband or you don't have to lead your family, you just have to follow this teaching. Well, you've heard husband's got to be the head of the home, you know, so uh, you've got to make your wives follow you and you demand what yeah. <laughs> what you want them to do well that's not true we, right. we don't want that you know we, yeah. so it again maybe there was something like you say going on there in Corinth that was uh or not in Corinth in Colossae in, Colo- in, Colo- Colossae, yeah. Yeah. in Corinth as well I'm sure it was going on in Corinth. Well, we, yeah, we, like <laughs> I said, same. all of his letters were very similar, so he had some yeah. of the same problems in other areas. And I think Corinth, though, was, was, <laughs> they had some trouble. <laughs> they had some problems. <laughs> some bigger problems. Yeah. And I like how um, um, in chapter 4, you don't see this in many of Paul's epistles. I mean, he has a, he has a, a doxology or a closing at the end of maybe just a few verses. Um, thanking a couple people. But in Colossians here, I mean, there's, what, 20, almost not quite 20, eight, 15, 15 verses or so at the end of chapter 4 that are all verses thanking people. And yeah. I think that's interesting because at the beginning it talks about he's thankful for them, yeah. and thankful for Jesus and who Jesus is. And at the very end, I mean, he lists, I mean, Tychicus, Onesimus, I wrote him down, Aristocharis, John Mark, Barnabas, Justice, Epaphras, Lucas, Demas, yeah. those in Laodicea. Yeah. So he has a whole list of he, people, vast number here. Uh, and again, yeah. remembering yeah. what we said earlier, Paul knows it's not about him. Right. He knows that you got to have a team yeah. to do what he needed to do. And because he couldn't be there himself, he was depending upon these others as well. And maybe this was Paul's way of saying, hey, Colossian, or those at Colossae, um, you know, I haven't been able to visit some other churches as well, but I have a team that's helping me out. And, you know, the letter that Epaphras is bringing to you, you know, comes from me and, and uh, I can't get there or whatever he might say. Um, but there's a lot of guys in here that um, sometimes we don't think about, we don't Absolutely. remember. Well, you know, Paul... Paul even did that in in Rome, uh, Romans. Yeah, the yes, he did. 16th chapter of Romans. Yeah, there's a whole couldn't. list of folks that That's he says salute this one, salute yeah. that one, and, and uh, so I mean he he was giving people credit uh, for helping them point. and for the for the ministry. And he was never able to vi- uh, visit. Well, he did go to Rome eventually, but never visit that church. Yeah, uh, as well. Um, and think of the two books, uh, kind of interesting just to think about that, Book of Romans and Book of Colossians, very heavy doctrinal books mm-hmm. that Paul writes to churches that he never had the chance to go to because he was probably worried about that. But whereas other churches he went to, 
you know, maybe he taught those things and then the correspondence letter, yeah. uh, you know, was of practical things. Yes. So maybe the reason why he wanted to make sure they had their doctrine right. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm just thinking off the top of my head here. I'm wondering if that might have been the case for some of these. Now, look at verse 16, you know, towards the end. And I think this is interesting. I've been asked about yeah. this before. It says, after you have read this letter, pass it on to the church at Laodicea. Of yeah. course, that's in Revelation. Yeah. So they can read it too. And you should read the letter that I wrote to them. Mm-hmm. So there is a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Laodicea, um, a letter that we don't have, of course. You know, right. it, it's not an a, a inspired uh, piece of Scripture. So you have to understand as well that you know, Paul wrote several letters to some churches that correspondence to them. He probably did it a lot more than what we actually have documented. Oh, yeah. I mean, either, we just talked about Corinth and Corinthians. I mean, he, I think he wrote about four different times to Corinth, but we only have two of those um, correspondences right. in First and Second Corinthians. Right. So he, all, he wrote other things as well um, to these churches. But I think it's interesting that because Laodicea and Colossae were not far away, yeah. uh, eight, ten miles, I think, between the two of them. So um, it also goes to show you that that was something that maybe was done in early churches. Mm-hmm. You know, as Paul went to this church and gave him the letter at Philippi, you know, maybe they took it down to the church at uh, yeah. Athens yeah, or, or at Berea or something, or at Thessalonica. Well, we'll find that in there. First Peter. Peter did that. Yeah. You know, uh, Peter didn't write, at First Peter, he, did, he didn't write that letter specifically to one church. If you read that, yep. it, you know, it went to Galatia, Pontius, and several churches. Several churches. Yeah. And in other words, they were on kind of a circuit there, that, yeah. and, and they would just pass that letter on. Yeah, so when we talk about the letters being read in churches, I think of um, growing up, they used to do this. Missionary letter would come into the church, yeah. and uh, on Wednesday night, um, uh, the uh, secretary, whomever it might be, the uh, head of the missions committee, they would stand up in the in the service and just read the letter. Um, and uh, I think that's interesting because yeah. that's kind of that way the whole church could know about. And of course, that was before email and all that kind of stuff, yeah. and where you could just send it out to the people or, or put it in a newsletter before the publication and stuff were that big. But it was interesting yeah. that they would read it, uh, and you could hear about all that's going on with that missionary. And kind of, I look at that in the same way here. You know, as Paul's letter goes from church to church, you know, yeah. it's being read and it's being read aloud because it's the only copy they have. Right. So they've got to read it aloud, and uh, so what they're picking up from the letters. Um, you know, we might not pick up today as we kind of look at the letters and read through it because they were hearing the letters. Mm-hmm. They weren't actually reading it in front of them. So I wonder what kind of things they were picking up from the letters. Um, just an interesting thought because... Well, by reading the letter yeah. to the congregation, yeah, everybody's hearing it the same way. Well, no, well, they're hearing it the same way uh, as it's being read, right? but then how they interpret it... Yeah may be different, but uh, at yeah. least they are hearing it from one person who's reading the letter. Like, you know, the missionary sending a letter, everybody got to hear what was going on on the mission field yeah. at the same time. Now, some would pick up one thing and some would pick up something else. And and it's the same thing with the preached word we have today. There you go. Yeah. And uh, pastor preached a wonderful sermon there yesterday morning, and, and you you just wonder, okay, who got this and who got that, you know yeah. what? And and I've always said, you know, I said, 
But people would tell me sometimes, say, well, that was for the lost, <laughs> or that message was for this particular people or for that particular people. And right. I said, no. I said, every message that is given from the pulpit, I said, that's the food from the Lord. That's the word of God. And I said, he never calls you to the table that he doesn't give you something to eat. Yeah. I said, so everybody there, there was something in that meal for them. Yeah. But they got to find it. You got to you got to stay focused and and let the Holy Spirit lead you to the portion that's yours. And that's the amazing thing about God's word is that there's always something for everybody. It's applicable to all people. Yeah. Yeah. But the point of it is, like you said, you've got to apply it. You've got to yeah. listen. You've got to be ready to receive it. Absolutely. And be in the proper place to do that. So as you read through Colossians this week and Colossians, the four small chapters, I mean, each one of you out there is going to get something different from it. Yeah. Um, you're reading the same thing. Some of you may have it uh, played audibly to you so you can hear it, or some of you may read through, but you're all going to find something different from it. Uh, you're going to respond to something from it. So, uh, you know, again, I, I've encouraged you to do this before. Some of the some of the best things you can do for Bible reading is uh, journaling your thoughts after you've read through a passage of Scripture. You know, mm. what is God speaking to you from this passage? What is important? And just writing down some of those thoughts so that um, you can see and actually understand God is speaking to me in this particular way from this particular passage, and right. here's the thought that I'm writing down. And you can use a lot of other methods as well, but um, I've encouraged you to do that because I think that's something that mm-hmm. is important. Because otherwise, how are you going to remember what God said to you if it's not written down? Absolutely. I mean, our memories are good, but they're not that good. Absolutely. And, you know, we're all on a, we're on a different level in our spiritual walk yeah you know i'm not on the same level as you are right and or i am uh, you it, or, yeah or vice versa so what we receive is it where we are at our point of you know following christ yeah where our spiritual uh place is at that point and yeah. maybe next year you'd read this same scripture and you'll say oh man i'm up here now i, <laughs> I see something better you know yeah. <laughs> So we all receive things differently. And, and, uh, and, I, and I think the, the common denominator and everything is just that we're growing. Growing. And that's the point. Absolutely. Um, and that's what Paul is trying to push here, I think, with these Colossians, that they continue to grow in Christ because that's a continual process, something that we um, experience every single day. And if you're stagnant, then that becomes a problem. But it's growing. And again, some plants grow faster than other plants. Some mm-hmm. people grow faster than other people. But the point... I think he's trying to make is that we all just need to be growing each and every day. And that's why we have Rooted. That's why we have the podcast to help yes. keep you uh, reading each each and every day, doing the simple things and keep growing each and every day. It might not seem like you're growing, but, you know, slowly, 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 uh, you're growing each and every day. Well, uh, our time is pretty well gone for uh, for the book of Colossians. There's a lot more material here that we could talk through, but that's all the time we have for this week. And so next week we'll talk about First Timothy. So as you read through Colossians this week, again, write down some of the things that God is speaking to you about yeah. as you continue to grow in your faith and continue to be rooted in Christ. So we'll see you guys next time.